Jeff. Yes, sound check. Yes, sir. Jeff. Can you hear me? Sound check. Sound check. Sound check. Sounds good. Okay, Brian's trying to get on. Jim. Jim. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm gonna meet you. Dr. Kemp, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. All righty. Steve, hey, hey. sound check, can you hear me? Yeah, can you can you hear me? Good, I'll put you on mute. Okay. All righty. Um, I saw my name out there. All right, so Jim. I see Dr. B, Jeff, James. Jim, Jim, keep working with Steve. Keep working with Brian. Coach Morgan. Yes, yes. All right, sounds good and clear. I'll put you on mute. All okay. right. Thank you, Coach. Another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. And as we normally do, I'm going to unmike our guest or our co host, excuse me, James Riddell. Tell everybody hello, Jim. All right, Dr. Kemp, I'm going to unmike you. Tell everybody hello. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you on with us tonight. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We also have co-host Jeff. Tell everybody hello. Hey, good evening, folks. Welcome to Cliff Burn Friends. All right. Thank you. And we also have our basketball analyst for tonight, Steve. Tell everybody. Hello, Steve. Good evening, everyone. I hope everybody's doing well. All righty. And we're going to introduce the head coach, football coach for Edward Waters University. A little later on, Coach Toriano Morgan, one of the hottest coaches in the country. Now, we also have a special guest. We're trying to get him on, Brian Keith, basketball player from Fisk University, graduate class of 1985. Tonight, give a moment of silence. We have a few things we want to pray over. 15 seconds. 
All righty. Amen. Amen. Good evening. The show tonight is dedicated to a young man, Andrew Scott. He's the son of Fisk University. He's a basketball player from 1981-85. He's an expert basketball player, Southern Collegiate Athletic freshman of the basketball tournament in 1981, a teammate of mine, and also a basketball Hall of Famer, none other than Brian Key, who we're working on trying to get through the line. And uh, we just want to say he was a, a fine young man. We lost him today. And uh, this is uh, the basketball world, the university, the class of 1985, honest him with this show tonight. And I'm going to ask um, to start us out, if Jim would just say a word, no, we go to a story. And then we're going to come back and we'll let Jim say a word. But first, let's start with this story here. Shooting. Maine, 22. Another one of those rifles. We have our securities expert with us, Jeff. How can we stop or do something about this? And this time around, the policemen and the military were warned ahead of time. Jeff? Yes, Cliff. Um... This is such a tragic situation, and you're correct. There were previous warnings. Uh, in particular, there were warnings from the family, and that's what caught me. You know, they said that this young man, actually he wasn't young, 40 years old, he was having, hearing voices in his head. That is a red flag, absolutely. And so they notified them of that. Uh, they also said that they were concerned that someone with mental issues and also had gun training, that was a significant problem. And so with these warnings, I tell you what, there was also uh, the military, he made a threat. Apparently he was he threatened to shoot shoot up a facility uh, in, in Southern Maine. So that, that was significant. Uh, two weeks prior, they had sent him to uh, psychiatric training for two weeks, I'm sorry. And so that, you know, those actions that they took you know, they should have followed up on that because that's a red flag, red flag. And then the one thing that really got me is that when he went to purchase firearms, there was a red flag came up just like on your driver's license or you apply for a job and you do a background check, red flag comes up. That right there should have been, okay, we cannot sell you this firearm because of this circumstance. That's, that's a fact of life. And so you can't you can't get a driver's license with something that comes up on your background, but they sold him the firearms anyway. And so that was a major major concern for me. I tell you what, you have to really be diligent about your preparation in today's uh, uh, society. Every day when you walk out your house can be a problem. You must prepare for active shooter, just like you do uh, a, a fire, you know, or a uh, inclement weather, same thing. You have to prepare for these things, whether it's small or big. The least bit of preparation could save a life. Understand that the least bit can possibly save a life. You must do these things, Cliff. Yeah. Jeff, you talked about getting these guns off the street, but each time these incidents happen, including in Maine, clearly gun sales go up. So is the answer more people get guns to defend themselves? Or in this case, where they have this uh, rifle or AK, or would it not make a difference if you have somebody 
who is a, um, a police trainer, military, and has those military-style rifles. Does more guns on the street make it less safe or in the classrooms or wherever? Okay, so let's be real about this. The first thing is you are not going, in my humble opinion, you are not going to get all the good guns off of the street. That is a fact. Money, money, money moves the, moves the world, Cliff. Money moves the world. And so these things are big business. Because they are big business, those sellers are going to look the other way when someone comes into their facility. Now, we're talking about the legal sale of guns. Never mind the illegal sale of guns that are coming into this country. Ways neighborhoods, some neighborhoods more than others easily. Easily. Right now, we have an epidemic in D.C. where we have 12 and 13 year olds armed that are hijacking cars weekly. We just had one 13 year old got killed yesterday armed. So these things are these things are not going to stop. Somebody has to take a stand and they're trying to do the right things. But if you have those that are calling the shots to say, no, we're not going to put, put laws in place that stop people from buy, buying guns. It's a tough, it's a tough situation. Yeah. Jeff, thanks so much. We're going to stay on top of this. Um, it seems like every week, but we won't be quiet until this, this, this problem gets better. So again, Jeff, thanks so much. Stay around and we're going to uh, continue to have you on the show. Jeff, y'all. security. Thank you so much. All righty. Our woman of the month. And we're coming down to the end of it. Her name is Florence Joyner Griffin. We talked about her styles. We talked about her records in the 1980 Olympics. Uh, we talked about the allegations, which were untrue, of performance-enhancing drugs. But what we not have not talked about is her tragic death. On September 21, 1988, Griffith Jordan died in a sleep at home in the Canyon Crest neighborhood of Mission Viejo, California, at the tender age of 38. The unexpected death was investigated by the Orange County Sheriff Coroner's Office, which announced on September 22nd that the cause of death was suffocation during a severe epileptic seizure. Griffith Jordan was found to have a cavernous hemangioma. It's a congenital vascular brain abnormality that made her subject to seizures. According to a family attorney, she has suffered a tonic-chronic seizure in 1990 and had been treated for seizures since 93 and 94. According to the sheriff's coroner's office, the only drugs in the system when she died were small amounts of two common over-the-counter drugs, acetaminophen and the antihistamine Benadryl. Dr. Kemp, give us your thoughts. Florence Joyner Griffin. Thanks, Dr. Bird, uh, for bringing this up. This is the first time I've really um, knew the reason um, why she actually died. Um, I guess I just never really paid too much attention, you know, to her passing and, you know, what happened. Um, but all I just need to say is uh, we were just lucky and happy to just have her um, to be blessed with her presence. Um, and again, she definitely has set um, the bar, uh, a high standard for our current um, Olympians. Um, everybody wants to emulate her. I'm so glad that we were um, happy to so glad that we were lucky enough to just see her um, perform and um, definitely um, be an Olympian for the United States um, of America. Absolutely. Well, we are going to give her one more big clap and a cheer 
Florence Griffith Joyner, our Woman of the Month, next month. Well, I'm going to announce the next week. We'll keep y'all in a little bit of suspense. We want to take a moment to give a one-minute tribute to a friend of ours, Fisk University, again. We're dedicating the show tonight. Andrew Scott, basketball player. I'm asking Brian Keith to type in the chat, but I'm asking our co-host, James, if you could say one word or two about our classmate and our friend, none other than Mr. Andrew Scott, who passed this morning. I want to welcome, before you do that, we have all SEC performer and business owner, former guest, Jackie Cowan Freeman to the show. Hello, Jackie. Oh, yeah. We also want to welcome this university Hall of Fame basketball player, along with Brian Keith, an All-American class of 83. Calvin Byron to the show. Hello, Calvin. You can type in the chat. Jim and Mike, give us a word about Andrew Scott, our classmate. Well, going to Fisk, a small black school in Nashville, everybody knows everybody. And we came in with Andrew. You know, we became friends because he's one of the basketball players. And just an all-around good guy. And, you know, <clears throat> he's really going to be missed. And it's surreal. It hadn't really sunk in. I think Brian might be in the uh, in the chat, in the uh, hosting room. No, not yet. We'll keep going, Jim. You know, Andrew... And Brian used to always argue about him smooth being freshman of the year. You know, and that's what him in eighty one, okay. He's just a, he's just a great guy. Yeah. Everybody, you know, all of our classmates loved him. Yes. And yeah. looking looking at the chat, I you know, it's just it's surreal. Yeah. It's surreal. Yeah. Brian Keith. Our classmate who came in and we graduated together in 85, him, myself, Andrew Scott, Jeff Thorpe, and Todd Brown who came in together. Uh, Brian uh, also says he's a friend, a father, grandfather, and he was a Nashville legend. He did go to East High School uh, in Nashville, Tennessee and played basketball there. The thing that always stood out about uh, to me that we call him smooth is that um, he also was one who believed in giving back. Uh, he, he, Jim, we know he gave back steadily to the school, to the scholarship funds, and he wanted other young people who come or came from Nashville, and in particular, East Nashville, who at the time was one of the parts of town with lower income, to have the same opportunities that he realized that he was blessed to have at this university. So, you know, I'm going to ask Brian and I'm going to ask Calvin Byram. You keep typing in the chat, and uh, we're going to move on from there. But, Jim, thank you so much. All righty. And again, we'll keep our, we'll keep talking about Andrew Scott. This show is dedicated to him tonight. They called him Smooth. All right. We're going to go on to the next story. Our woman executive of the week, Miss Allison Feaster. She was born February 11, 1976, and she's the vice president of team operations and organizational growth for the Boston Celtics. She's a former professional basketball player a global citizen, a trailblazer in the sports industry who is highly regarded for leadership and team-building skills. Feaster is one of a handful of women and women of color to serve as an executive in the NBA's team front office. Dr. Kemp, did you know about this one? Coming to you. <laughs> now, Dr. Burr, <laughs> you know 
I did not know about uh, Miss Allison Feaster. So thank you so much, as always, for bringing her definitely to the forefront um, and blessing us with another um, executive, professional African-American woman that's, of course, leading the pack. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, she was a heck of a ball player when she was in the um, WNBA. Now, she's a Harvard graduate, graduate 98. She was drafted in 1988, first round, fifth pick overall, selected by the Los Angeles Sparks. And she played 10 years in the league, 1998 to 2008. Uh, She played with the Sparks, the Charlotte Sting, and the Indiana Fever. And she was also an All-Star in 2004. So um, a great player in the Ivy League, first team, uh, four-time first team, all Ivy League. So again, our woman, executive of the week, Miss Allison Feaster, give her a hand. I'm going to ask Jeff, what do you think about Miss Allison Feaster and all these women executives that were highlighting on the show? Well, Jeff? i tell you what, man. They have pretty much every base covered. I'm just waiting for that head coach assignment to come up. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you yeah. what, they're not playing, man. They're leading in in all categories. Absolutely, absolutely, Jeff. And uh, so, uh, Steve, I'm gonna ask a basketball analyst. Steve, yes. what do you think about some of our women executives that we highlight on the show, Steve? I, I think it's awesome because I am learning something that I didn't know about some of these women. Some some things I did know, but uh, like Jeff said, the next thing will be a head coaching position and i think uh pop uh greg popovich is you know kind of pushed towards that so if anybody can make it happen and uh talk to executives it would be pop yeah yeah well we want to highlight this on dr clifford and friends it's definitely uh long overdue basketball basketball space in the space shots to shots and x's and o's x's and o's okay so, uh, Calvin Byron also makes a statement about our teammate, Andrew Scott, uh, All-American Calvin Byron and Hall of Famer. He said he was an awesome dude, a loving husband, father, grandfather, and a model citizen. And so, Calvin, we can't agree with you more. And uh, thanks for coming on the show on a short notice, Calvin. Uh, when we got the fist, for those who don't know, Brian Keith, myself, Andrew Scott, uh, all three were honored to be able to start with our All-American junior, Calvin Byron, who was a leader on the show with us tonight. Steve also came and played at Fisk and uh, ended up graduating from Tennessee State. So Steve also had the honor of knowing Andrew Scott well and playing with all these great teammates. And this is what you get at HBCU. Uh, this is a family. And that's what you see here tonight, honoring the Mr. Andrew Smooth Scott. Yeah. Okay, had a little history made this past week in the SWAT conference game. Miss Bellani Armenta, she's a soccer player, but she also kicks for the Jackson State Tigers. And she kicked three extra points, first time in a uh, HBCU game, making history. So, Jim, is this something we're going to see now, Black College football? Tell us about this kicker and the history she's made. I, I think so. I think for the VF soccer player, who are already on scholarship, you know, I'm sure some coaches think about saving a scholarship, but get a soccer player to kick. 
but I think yeah. it, it will it will be something that you'll see more of. Yeah. Well, well, well Jim, I know you're not on the NFL section yet, but we can show you the offense of the Giants yesterday. But we're gonna leave that for a little bit later. But uh, we're so proud of this young lady, Leilania Armenta, Jackson State Tigers kicker, Jackson State Tigers kicker. Give it up. As we promised this year, we would have tight coverage on our volleyball season, one of the greatest sports out here that we've missed. And so we want to just bring you the scores before we go to break and uh, let you know where we are. Most of the tournaments are about to start in November. So here we go. In the CIAA, this is a division records only. Elizabeth City State defending champ 7-0, Peekville State 5-2. It's the Northern Division now. Virginia State 4-3, Virginia Union 2-5, Bowie State 1-5, Lincoln PA 1-5. In the Southern Division, Shaw 9-0, St. Augustine 8-1, Fayetteville State 6-3, Winston-Salem State 4-4, Clafton 2-6, Johnson C. Smith 2-7, and Livingston is 0-10. All righty? So a little bit of tough going for Livingston. Now let's go to the SIAC. And again, these are the conference records in the East. Edward Waters, 16-1. Albany State, 15-3. Clark Atlanta, 12-5. Benedict, 10-7. Savannah State, 8-10. Island, 5-11. And Fort Valley State, 5-13. In the Western Division, the defending champions of four-time, Spring Hill, 18-0. Miles, 10-9. Tuskegee, 7-11. Lane, 7-11. Central State, 7-12. Lamont Owen, 5-14. And Kentucky State, 0-18. So there you have it. You have the uh, CIAA, and you also have the SIAC. We'll get to the division ones next week. One more. The tournament is coming up this week. The Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Conference records, Talladega 15-1, Dillard 14-2, Fist 13-3, Philander Smith 9-7, Rush 79, Wiley 6-10, Oakwood 5-11, Tugaloo 3-13, and Southern University of New Orleans. Oh, and 16, having a tough year. We're going to go to a commercial break. And we're going to come back. And, um, Jim, we're going to come to you. But before we leave, we want to say one thing. Congratulations to Irvin Magic Johnson. Irvin Magic Johnson yes, just became. Oh, yeah. Irvin Magic Johnson just became the fourth athlete to become a billionaire. Okay? It was Michael Jordan. First, it was Tiger Woods. Michael Jordan. LeBron James, and now Irvin Magic Johnson. Out of those four, only two became a billionaire while they were playing, Tiger Woods and LeBron James. And I'm going to ask you, uh, Jim, give me your opinion. Then I'm coming to you, Marlo. What do you think about this? This is great. Jim? Yes, it is great. You talk about athletes becoming billionaires instead of losing their money. These guys have done great investments done hard work on and off the court to reach that status. Magic Johnson is an owner, is a part owner of the uh, Washington Commanders, and I believe still the Los Angeles Dodgers as well. So he's yeah. looking to get hockey so he could have all four at one time, I guess. And he owns three so, basketball teams, I think. Uh-huh. Dr. Mm-hmm. Kemp, let me come to you. Dr. Kemp, thank you, Jim. Dr. Kemp? Go Magic. I think it's awesome. <laughs> 
it is awesome you know just from where he came from um and he is definitely always 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 giving back you know to the community and helping out wherever he can and leading the way and, and being a positive example and role model um for you know, all of us so all i can say is mr johnson i tip my hat to you mm -hmm. all righty and i'm gonna go one more steve i remember in 1997, 1991, November 7th, when he walked up to that uh, podium and announced he had HIV, and he said, but I'm going to live a long time. And boy, when we thought this thing was just about over, the man upstairs had different plans. Just in it. So, Irvin Magic Johnson, what do you think about it? Give me your opinion, Steve. Our best I, I remember that day. I had come home. Mm -hmm. My father was there. And he was saying Magic had an announcement, and my father already knew what he was going to say. And I couldn't believe it. And you know, at that time, we all thought, because it kind of was, it was a death sentence. And we, I was like, man, we're going to have to watch one of our heroes die. And it affected so many people that it was unbelievable. He, he, I'm sure he felt how much people loved him after this happened. And I'm I'm glad I'm glad he's at the status he is now. Like you said, you know, man says one thing, but God is the come on now, the come on now, He's the come on now. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Before we go to break, I want to say welcome to the University Basketball Hall of Famer, Renee Spencer, is in the house. And I want to say this: another word from Brian Keith about none other than Andrew Scott, Andrew Smooth Scott, a fist legend. We lost him today. It says, celebrated his birthday in October with a round of golf. Very competitive, never backed down to a challenge. With homecoming next week, there will be heavy hearts. However, we will honor him for being a great classmate. And yes, Brian, he will be missed. Andrew Scott, we call him smooth. We want to thank all of our 34 engagers listening on the line. We're going to take just about a 30-second break, and we're coming right back. Coming right back. And friends featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports at HBCU Athletics. Renee Spencer says, rest in peace, smooth. Jim, take us away. In first place, you have North Carolina Central with their quarterback, uh, Davius Richard, who made uh, Player of the Week. Howard is 2-0 and as well. South Carolina State and Morgan State are one and one, and Norfolk and Delaware are zero and two. Go to the SWAC. We're in East Florida and M six and all, followed by Jackson State four and two, Alabama State three and two, Alabama A and M two and three, Mississippi Valley State one and four, Bethune Cookman zero and five. In the West, Southern and Alcorn are tied at one and one. 
Grambling and Prairie View are tied with three and two record. Texas Southern is one and four, and Arkansas Pine Bluff is 0 and 5. Now, in our top 10 in Division 2, Benedict is number one at 9 and 0 record. Virginia Union followed closely back by 8 and 1. Virginia State is 8 and 1. Fayetteville State is 7 and 2. Tuskegee, 7 and 2. Fort Valley, 7 and 2. Allen, 7 and 2. By the 8 through 10 are Miles at 6 and 3. Albany State at 5 and 4. And Johnson C. Smith at 6 and 3. Now in Division 1, North Carolina is 7 and 1, followed by Florida State, which is also 7 and 1. Looks like they're going to be making a meeting in the Heritage Bowl again. Tennessee State, 6 and 2, their first winning season in a couple of years. Congratulations, Eddie George. Alcorn is 5 and 3. Jackson State, 6 and 3. Southern, 5 and 3. Alabama State, 4 and 3. Alabama AM, 4 and 4. Hampton and Howard are also both 4 and 4. Now, in the Magic City Classic, special teams led the way for Alabama State to defeat Alabama AM, 31 to 16. Willie Simmons with FAMU clinched the East by defeating Prairie View 45 to 7. Good. Go back. Go back. Hampton knocks off North Carolina A&T and the homecoming with a 26-24 capacity crowd at Armstrong Stadium. Jacoby and Morgan, Jackson State's impressive running back, had an impressive day over the romp over Arkansas Pine Bluff. Let's see. Tennessee State his first winning season in seven years by defeating Linwood 43 to 20 on Saturday. Now, Tennessee State is. Give my hand. We got Marla. We got Coach Morgan on here. Come on, give my hand. Keep going, Jeff. They've come into a little bit of a controversy because they've been winning, but they haven't had the fans. Now, one thing that I didn't know about until this week, the OVC combined with the Big South. There were about five teams that left the OVC. So Tennessee State is playing schools like Lindenwood and schools you've never heard of. And I'm sure that's hurting their draw in Nashville. I don't know. Is this the time that they go back to the either the MEAC or the – not back to, but go to the MEAC or the SWAC? And play those games, which I'm sure would be more in terms, would draw more of a crowd. Or do they stay in this combination? Like I said, there's schools I have never heard of as they play. And I'm sure that cannot be good when you're trying to draw a crowd. 
Now, Benedict rolled South Carolina State. They secured their SIAC championship berth. They improved their record to 9-1 and one by a 38-17 win. Now, the bowl, the uh, bowl sub, I forget the name, it was the bowl subconscious uh, rankings came out for the first time today with Ohio State on top, followed by Georgia, followed by Florida State, followed by Washington and Oregon. Ohio State, by virtue of defeating two top 15 teams in Notre Dame and Penn State, got the top ranking. Now, go on to we had a thing about Colorado. You know, after they start out three and all, they hit a little bit of hard time in the Pac-12. They lost twenty-eight to sixteen to UCLA, and it was notable because Shiloh Sanders was kicked out for a targeting call. I looked at it; it's shaky. It looked like he hit him on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And Shiloh had to take a pain block because he's getting hit so many times in the pocket. I'd watch out for that young man because I'm, I'm really worried about the hits he's taking week after yeah. week. Yeah. Now we go on to the National Football League. Well, we start off Thursday with the Bills, which are, you can buy in some of these games, just beat the Buccaneers. 24 to 18. Uh, Renee's Cowboys look like the team that they play for. 43 to 20 beatdown of the Rams. Vikings got some business where they won the game, but lost Kirk Cousins for the year with the Achilles tear. 24 to 10. The Titans under Will Levis throwing four touchdown passes. In his first game in the pros, which is two more than the uh, Tannehill has thrown all year. So the Titans were able to defeat the Falcons 28-23. Saints beat the Colts 38-27. Patriots lost to the Dolphins to go 2-6, 31-17. And the New York Bowl, which had more punts than points. The Jets were able to win in overtime, 13 to 10. And as Cliff was talking about the young lady kicking for Jackson State, maybe needs to get a job at one of these two schools teams. <laughs> because even the game-winning field goal by Greg Zerline looks like he cooked at the last minute. And if it had been five yards further, it would have been no good. Jaguars are sneaky good. They beat the Steelers 20 to 10 to go 6 to 2. Eagles won another close one against the Commanders, 38-31. Panthers won their first game by a field goal at the end of the game, defeating the Texans, 15-13. Seahawks defeated the Browns with the Jackson Smith and Jigba touchdown with less than a minute left, 24-20. The Chiefs, a team that Patrick Mahomes had never lost to, the Broncos, Defeated them for the first time that Patrick 
Mahomes' career, 24-9. Ravens beat the Cardinals, 31-24. And the Bengals gave the 49ers their third straight loss after starting 5-0, 31-17. Joe Burrow is back. And the Chargers on Monday night defeated the Bears 13-10. Oh, no, no, no. That was Sunday night. On Monday night, the Lions got their roar back by defeating the Raiders 26-14. How could I forget my Lions? All righty. Now in the top 10, or in my top Five, I'm going to go with the Eagles, the only team with only one loss so far. I'm going to give it to the second place, to the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Third, I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. Fourth, I'm going to put the Jacksonville Jaguars in there. Okay. And a tie for fifth. I'm going to go with the Seahawks and the Lions. Mm-hmm. So that is my report today. All righty. We're going to follow up with baseball. See how the world switch oh. next week in the essence of time. But I want to come on. And I'm Steve. Give us your updates. NCAA basketball and um, also a little bit of NBA. A basketball analyst, Steve Wright. Well, you know, the NBA season kicked off last Tuesday and uh, got off to a roaring start. Um, you've got right now, and I like this, you've got six people in the NBA right now averaging over 30 a game. Wow. And uh, MB, Joel Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey are both averaging 30 in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, James Harden was traded at about midnight. Uh to the, uh, I should have been, they clapping, Steve. I'm from Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, Steve. To, uh, to, uh, the Clippers. So, if you look, all their, their top four big players are all Californians. So, I'm mm. sure they're glad to be out there. Doesn't make them uh, the favorite in the West, but you know, uh, it gives them a, a better a better shot. And uh, Philadelphia didn't the uh, come out of it empty-handed either, but uh, yeah, we, we, we shall see. And the uh, college season is getting ready to kick off. Everybody, uh, most teams will be starting on the 6th of November. I've got a top 10 that I've done, um, and uh, I went with uh, Duke at number one, Michigan State at number two, Jim, I like that, Houston at number three, Kansas at number four, I'm not being a homer, but Tennessee at number five, because I'm not a Tennessee fan. Purdue, number six. Marquette, seven. Creighton, eight. And then nine and ten are Shockers, the University of Memphis, and Kentucky mm-hmm. are my top ten. I think, you know, if uh, and Cliff, you have to cut me off because I'll get carried away. I think uh, <laughs> Duke, Duke being number one with uh, – you got Filipowski that came back, Tyrese Proctor came back, and Mitchell came back, and nobody really thought at least two of those would be leaving. Mitchell's the only one I thought might stay. And then Roach is coming back for his senior year. They got a four-man uh, recruiting class that's good with McCain, Foster, Power, and Stewart. 
Uh, they'll be uh, up to par offensively like they were defensively last year. This will be a good offensive team. Then Michigan State bought back everybody. They've got all the experience. They bought in two solid freshmen and Xavier Booker and Cohen Carr. Cohen Carr is a monster. They've got size. They've got shooting. They've got experience. Then Houston, even though they lost um, uh, Marcus Sasser to the pros, they bought in L.J. Cryer, who is going to be their leading scorer, to go along with Jamal Shedd. They bought in Damian Dunn from Temple. Uh, Terrence Arsenal is back. Then they've got two or three big kids that are just so rugged. They bought in a good freshman uh, uh, named Tugler, who's a power yeah. forward who can play. Uh, Kansas, you know, they hit the jackpot with getting uh, Dickinson uh, uh, from Michigan. And they, that means K.J. Adams will get to play the fourth spot, which he'll be effective at. Uh, Kevin McCullough came back. They picked up a guy named, uh, I forgot Timberlake's uh, first name, but they picked him up who's a scorer, can shoot, put it on the floor. Harrison's mm -hmm. point guard coming back. El Marco Jackson. They took a big hit, though, when Arterio Morris, uh, he's facing some legal problems, and he had to be dismissed from the team. And that's mm -hmm. going to hurt them. They're not deep, but Self actually does a better job when he does not have deep teams. Uh, then Tennessee, they bought everybody back, and then they've added, through the transfer portal, they've added a guy named Connect, and that's how you say his name, who's a shooter. They added the assistant coaches, uh, 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 son, Jordan Ganey. Then they had Freddie DeLone, who was there last year but didn't play. He enrolled early. They have size. They're bringing in a kid named J, uh, J.P. Uh, Estrella, who can play. And plus, they've got two bigs coming back, Ado and uh, I'm probably saying his name and a, wrong, and a walker. Mm -hmm. uh, then I go with, I went with Purdue. Purdue. Hold yeah. on, gotta get Coach Morgan in. You know, we're gonna give you a whole hour. Give us a week or so. But hey, I just want to ask hey. you one quick question, Steve. Player of the year, who do you have? Player of the year. It's gonna have to be Zach Eady. Okay. The big guy, the big why. guy from Purdue. Tell me why. It's gonna have to be him, but you know, it could change. It's a lot of it's a lot of good players out there. It's a lot of good players. You know, uh yeah. All right, Jeff says Big Zach. And uh, Steve, again, thanks for a great report. We're going to get a lot more in. Basketball's just kicking off. He's a basketball junkie. He's got knowledge for hours. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, so you, you have to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Steven Wright now. Coach Steven Wright, son of a legend. All righty. Before we go to break, we'll come back and introduce Coach Juliana Morgan, Calvin Byron, says on this show that we're dedicated to Andrew Smooth Scott, the fifth legend. One proud moment for Smooth was to block my shot in practice and never missed an opportunity to remind me every time we were together. I reiterate what my friend and teammate Brian stated, Andrew is truly missed. Show sure is, Calvin. Thank you so much. We'll be back in 30 seconds, y'all.
<clears throat> All righty. Uh, Coach Toriana Morgan, a graduate of Tennessee State University, also played for the Tennessee Tigers, who won two national championships around the year 2000. He comes to Edward Waters University with extensive amount of coaching experience. He's won championships at Virginia Union. He's won it at Virginia State. He's produced NFL players. He's also coached Dillard High School, where he was very successful. And he accepted position at Edward Waters University approximately three years ago. He's turned that program around very quickly. Presently, they, they moved up three years ago from NAIA to Division II, and now they're a complete Division II team in the SIAC. They're five and three, and quickly climbing the rankings in the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Please join me in welcome to the show, Edward Waters, head football coach, Coach Toriano Morgan. Coach, how are you there? I'm here. How you doing? Thank you so much, Coach. You know, we've been trying to get you all here. And uh, you guys have had a tremendous season, an interesting season. We've been keeping up with you. And um, you're in your third year now. Started out this year, you correct me, we dropped the first two games. Went on first a five-game winning streak. <laughs> Am I right? First three and, uh, games, and then we went on. First three games, okay. Yes. Went on a five-game winning streak. Uh, won the last three before this past week by some nail biters. Mm -hmm. And then ran into a very tough Allen team, uh, but still in the hunt and just turning a program around. Now, Coach, I can't have the first question because we have a Tennessee State grad on our staff. <laughs> two of them. Dr. Marlon Kemp says she has to have the first one. We almost had the big blue fight song on here for you, but Dr. Kemp, <laughs> I'll let you answer the to Coach Toretta Morgan and, and ask him some of the first questions. Welcome to the show, Coach. I'm proud to be here. Yes, Coach, Coach, welcome to the welcome to the show, family. So happy that you're on here. So happy. Happy to be here. Uh, my question is, how did you get into coaching? Can you just share that information with us? Can, can you just tell us how did you get all the way from where you started from and to where you are now? Well, uh, it, you know, you, you, you understand that uh, coaching has to be a calling. Um, you know, I look at it as part of a, a ministry that I have as far as helping to change young men's lives. Um, you know, I view the, the definition of a coach, one that takes another to a place that he cannot take himself. So um, I always had a passion for football. And as soon as I graduated from Tennessee State, um, just not the first time, but the second time with my master's degree, uh, I got right into coaching right there. So that opportunity opened itself. And then uh, I was afforded the opportunity to get back to uh, my home, Fort Lauderdale, South Florida and coach and then climb back into the college ranks. And it's just something that, you know, I knew the Lord had on my life that I wanted to do. And I've just been blessed to be able to walk in my calling. Nice. Coach, and then I'm gonna come to James for the next question. But um, you come to Edward Waters, you're coming from NAIA. This is your third year. So you came in about when Edward Waters University was applying to turn this or get recognized as a Division II about that time. Right. How do you grow and change the culture in a very competitive conference? And the last time, the little homework coach, Edward Waters University had a above 500 team was around 2004, 2008. Right. So you have to change culture. How do you build? How do you build this coach? 
Well, you know, when you when you come in, you know, you 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 have a plan and you just you stick to it. You know, there are some things that um, you know, we believe in, that I believe in, um, that are non-negotiable. Um, you know, when we first talk about how we wanted to build this program, the first thing we talk about is graduating young men, uh, making sure that we're recruiting a young man that can come here and matriculate from being a South uh, a freshman all the way through his senior year. And we actually want to do it in three years to give him that opportunity to sit there and get his master's in the end. Mm. They don't they don't build football. They don't build schools for football. It's for reading, writing, and research. So we want to make sure that we get guys to um, graduate personally. The second part of it is we want to make sure that we develop these young men in three areas, you know, socially, academically, and um, of course, athletically. And then the last part about it is, um, you know, we're not afraid to talk about winning. We, you know, we're here to help these young men win, but we're not going to negotiate the first two to get to the last. So winning for us is not talked about last because it's not important. Without the first two, uh, we don't think that you can get to, to the last part of it. I think that's a, a definite byproduct. So we got a group, a good group of guys that have bought in uh, to firstly being students, being great young men, being able to develop. And um, I guess right now we're just seeing the uh, fruits of our labor. Uh, the winds are starting to come. So, um, you know, that's just something we wholeheartedly believe in. And we, we those are non-negotiables for us. All right. Coach, um, we had your tremendous athletic director on our show about five months ago, Dr. Ivana Vitt. And, uh, and, I, and I know it helps to have a great athletic director uh, over your football program. Give us just some of your perspective we had a tremendous interview but what she's doing for the football program and the athletic program you know your volleyball team's knocking on a mm -hmm. championship and a whole lot of it and you all are not a don't have a big student body right, right. so small but mighty so just tell us the influence of dr ivana rich this is her second year winners breed wins so um you know she came in as as a winner and, uh, you know, she 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 laid the foundation. She laid the vision as far as where we were going as an athletic program. She set the standard. Everybody is held to that standard. And, uh, you know, she, 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 she provides the resources for us, anything that um, is needed, you know, within within the realm of whatever we need to to be to be successful uh, is only a phone call away. So the expectation is there. And I just think, you know, when you're talking about building a culture for your program, uh, it has to be in alignment with the culture that you have for your entire academic program and your athletic program. And she has set that standard. So it's easy to get things in line and be able to uh, move in that direction to be successful. So uh, it's a pleasure yeah. working with her. I'd be honored, Rich. Absolutely. Jim, I'll let you have the next question. Jeff, coming to you next. Uh, good evening, Coach Morgan. How you doing? Being, I'm doing well, thank you. I've been a person who got the certification to graduate I want to switch it up a bit and think, do you think it's time for them to come back home to the, either MEAC or the SWAC, or do you think they could survive in these uh, – PWI conferences. 
Well, I, I understand the um, the economics of it. You know, I, I was at Tennessee State when we played in the uh, OVC. We were the, you know, the last team to actually uh, from Tennessee State to win the OVC championships. So from a economic standpoint, travel, um, it was a lot more feasible for the, 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 the demographics of where we had to go uh, and being able to turn a profit with the uh, athletic budget um, at that particular point. But uh, I do think, you know, it's at a point that they would have to kind of sit down and just weigh the pros and cons. Um, I think, you know, the model from being in the OVC um, has been there and that, that that they're at the forefront of that. However, there is a very strong case that can be made by um, putting them in the SWAC or the MEAC. But then at the same time, we have to be considerate of, um, you know, the smaller sports or the other sports and what that model will look like for them. Uh, for football, it might be great. But for golf that wins championships as well, we have to make sure that they're doing the right thing for the entire athletic program from top to bottom. So um, I'm pretty sure, you know, they'll 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 get together and, and they'll, you know, survey everything and the, the direction that they need to be and the direction that they decide to go uh, will be in the best fit for, uh, you know, the student athletes. Might not be the popular decision, but it will probably be the best. Coach, uh, I have a question. I'm, Jeff, I'm coming to Jeff. I ask my guests this all the time. In the last few years, there's been the um, transfer portal and mm -hmm. the NIL deals. Let's go with transfer portal first. How has that affected, or you think it's affected, HBCUs in competing for that pool? Or do you think it's hurt us in that some of our athletes come there, you guys train them as freshmen, sophomore, and then they get in the pool to try to go to a bigger school? Or do you just tell me your take on the transfer portal first, and then we'll talk NIL? Well, with, with the transfer portal, uh, I, I think you, you, you as a program has to have to have a philosophy of how you would like to use it and be true to that philosophy. Um, if you live in the transfer portal and you're just constantly taking guys out of that, you have to understand when you don't get the quality of guys that you might have gotten a year before and you're not developing, um, then, you know, you're going to have those seasons that could span from being a one season that's a bad season that could, you know, correlate into maybe two to three seasons. So I definitely believe that you still need to take the high school uh, young man and develop him. But where you have the opportunity to get the uh, fixes in areas that you need where you can get a more experienced guy, then um, I think the transfer portal has its fit. And you just have to, you know, make sure that you you know how you want to use it. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, though, you have to also look at the young man that you're recruiting. Um, you know, we look at a model that if we go in and we recruit a young man and he's been to three to four different high schools, that might not be the young man we want in our program because when things don't go as he expects, as quickly as he expects, then um, you know, he's shown a pattern of, you know, he's going to up and leave. So uh, you want you want to look for stability and you want to you want to recruit guys that fit what you're looking for uh, as far as your program is concerned. So, um, you know, I, I think it can enhance your program, but at the same time, it can set your program back if you don't use it correctly. Sure. And the second thing was concerning, and I know you're a smaller school, but NIL deals. Do you think in the big picture it's helped? or hurt the majority of athletes coming to college rather than stick it to the first two goals that you talked about earlier tonight. What are your thoughts, Coach? 
Well, I, I, I think it, um, you know, naturally um, distracts them from a, from what might be a better situation to a situation that just where I see what I can get right now. Um, you know, and I always tell young men when we when we recruit them and even, you know, from your bigger, you know, BCS schools, all of that stuff that, you know, they, they sell you on, that stuff stays when you graduate. You know, that's theirs. You don't you don't take that stuff with you. But the relationships that you build, the the, the camaraderie with your teammates, the education that you get, that's those are the intangibles that you need to really put your value on, uh, you know, the money is going to come, it's going to go, um, you know, as long as you're healthy. So <laughs> we we have to be, you know, real and, and understanding about these things. If, if you're really just doing it or going here, you know, for these schools, for the, for the money, then, you know, I, that's probably not going to work out well in the end. But, you know, as far as using an NIL as an enhancement and you keeping – the main thing, the main thing, which is your education and, you know, that experience that you're getting and you're utilizing it the correct way. Um, I do think that that, that you know, they, it is deserved and um, can be beneficial for a student athlete. But um, I think we've kind of gotten to a point to where that's the sole factor of recruiting. And I, I, I think that's going to have to be regulated pretty soon. Dr. Kemp is telling the truth, Coach. Yeah, question for Coach Teriakis. Hey, how you doing, Coach? Uh, I got a question. In terms of financial stability, you know, the players come through the high school ranks and they get into two ways and, you know, they're projected to move further uh, after graduation. What steps do you take or do you advise for coaches to help these young men be better prepared once they get into the big ranks and they leave? What, what, what kind of uh, steps do you take? Take those situations. Well, we we have a program that we do in the spring. It's called overtime. It's a it's a play on the word of overtime, the fifth quarter, but it's um overtime, and you know we 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 teach them different things. You know, there's finding we have a financial literacy component. Um, we have a, a, a dinner banquet etiquette component. We have a um, interviewing component. So life skills that they're gonna need, not necessarily just for exceeding going to the next level, but things that they can be tangibly used in life to help them in any walk of life. Because the reality of it is maybe one or two of them are going to get the opportunity every year to actually get that opportunity to go to the next level. Now, level, And then at that point, it just becomes a numbers game. But, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we invest in them something that we can give them that they can keep and pass on to, to their sons how to tie a tie to go to the interview, you know, different things like that. So we, we definitely invest that part of it uh, into them. Uh, you know, if God has it in, in the plans for you to go to play at the next level, then, you know, nobody's going to be able to deter that, you know, that's God given talent. But I think our goal is to answer your question is how to prepare you for life after that, whenever it comes and how to sustain while going through that, you know, with character, as well as um, you know, being able to be faithful over your finances and things like things like that from a life skill standpoint. Yes, just a quick, just a quick part B. So, in reference to the coaches that you recruit under you, mm -hmm. what what do you look for? Hmm. Up and coming coach, you know, it might be from the amateur level or whatever it is. 
what things do you seek in, in the coaches that you would like to, to coach under you? The one thing I, I, I look for is firstly how they treat their families. Uh, you got to be a good father of your own before I can trust you to father these young men, mentor these young men. So I'm looking for good character young men. Uh, you know, if you look at my, my coaching style, um, a lot of them are guys that have I have either coached and they've broken into coaching and this is their first opportunity. Um, guys that I've worked with that have been successful, I've always said, you know, I'm not intimidated by being the youngest in the room and, or and not the smartest in the room. I always said, if you're the smartest in the room, you're in the wrong room. So, <laughs> And then, um, you know, I don't want yes men. I want guys that are able to say, coach, this might be a better way to do this. Let's take a look at that. Because ultimately, it's about, you know, maturing these young men, um, nurturing them and understanding what they need and being able to the biggest part to anticipate what their needs are uh, to help them, you know, once they graduate to be able to move on into a better walk of life. Appreciate it, Cliff. Thank you, Cliff. All righty. Coach Toriano, before you go, I want you to talk about some of your, all of your key players. Your quarterback has had a tremendous year. And then you got some other players just back, defensive backs, ready for this final game. Tell us how, how you go to this game because the race is still not over. Anything could happen this last yeah. week. And you end up in the championship game against Benedict, Coach Perry over there. But tell us about some of your key players on offense and defense. Well, we've had a, an amazing year with, um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, record-setting year. Um, Jiren Russell, uh, our quarterback, you know, he's been invited to – Various all-star games. Uh, he, this year, he's become uh, Edward Waters' all-time single-season modern-day leading passer and touchdowns. Um, so he's he's done an amazing job. But I I want to I want to add that um, you know he'll 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 probably play his his last college game at some point in November. But in December, he will be walking across the stage to get his master's degree. So, um, you know, that's 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 the biggest part of it. Uh, and then he's <laughs> he's he's growing to a, a phenomenal group of uh, wide receivers. Uh, Johnny Jones, Nate Rembert, Devin Thompson. These guys have all had um, an amazing year. I think right now, Nate uh, Rembert and Johnny Jones, they're tied for one and two in the conference and receiving. And in all of HBCUs, division one and two, I think they're right behind each other at number two and number three, I think with like 12, 13 yards separating each other, um, separating them from each other. So, you know, that's, you know, something that's unheard of that's that's being done. And then on the defensive side of the ball, um, Whitmire Garcon, our, our our middle linebacker, um, he's proven to be the the, the heartbeat of that defense. Uh, we got um, Dartrell Roback, our preseason All Conference safety back. Um, you know, two weeks ago, and uh, you know he came in and and he's just just been playing lights out football. Things didn't go the way we wanted last week, but um, you know we're we're still in it, so <laughs> we just yep. need to control what we can control and 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 you know let the cards play out how they may. Yeah, well, coach, before we finish up, I'm going to come to our two tigers on the panel. This past week, 
you went up against one of your mentors and coaches on the other side of the ball. <laughs> I did my homework on your coach. Coach Cole from Tennessee State is coaching at Allen now. Yes. And you all won championships together when you played at Tennessee State. Am I correct? Yes. So my, right. my head my head How coach. How is he going against him? How is he going against him? And then I'm going to come to Steve Wright with the next question. How is he going against your, your mentor and Coach Cole? It it, it 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 was surreal, man. You know, um, I knew that uh, he was going to have the team prepared, and he was kind of come in ready to play. And uh, you know, he but he was again a consummate professional. And um, you know, at the end of the game, you know, he came over and shook my hand and kindly let me know that the uh, the teacher <laughs> beat the student. <laughs> and you know, he told me he taught me some things, but not everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I got a question from uh, another Tennessee State alumni, and he's a basketball analyst, but he knows football too. Steve Wright. Coach okay. Steve? Yes. Hey, Coach, uh, congratulations. And you know what? Uh, the Coles win everywhere they go. They do. <laughs> they do. Wherever they coach, they, they win. Do. And they had some good times <laughs> when uh, he was here coaching y'all. But one thing you said that I, and I, I don't think I'd heard before, but it's great that you are trying to graduate your kids in three years. Yes. Was they able to get their matches that fourth year? That that's special. How hard is that to do? Well, it, you know, it's it's just about getting them to to buy in and and going to uh, taking you know a summer some some summer classes to be able to do that. Um, getting them up there, you know, the first the, uh, at the beginning of their matriculation of uh, the summer before they actually start school to get that summer course so they can get those classes in to where they can get acclimation to where you know it's, it's difficult and i'll be honest you know getting a young man to be a freshman and coming in he's got football and he's learning to figure all of that stuff out but if he's able to get up there the summer prior to be able to get take those classes and get a head start then we get another summer in along the way he's out of there in, in, in three years. And then that, that, that fourth year, you know, we've got master's programs that are three semesters. So that, you know, that gives them the opportunity to play that last year. And you got two semesters already on your, on your master's degree. And That's you know, awesome. we're setting them up to be successful for life. So we got to set them up to be successful. That yeah. is awesome, Coach. Coach. We always have our, uh, what you stated after she asked the question too, but, we always give uh, your other uh, uh, alumni, the, we gave her the first, and we're going to give her the last question tonight, and then okay. I'll come in and close us out. Dr. Kemp, one of our other Tigers here. Last All right. Coach Morgan. All right, Coach. I always like to ask this question. Do you have to always go back and possibly throw on your pads just to show your student <laughs> athletes what you were made of? I, I, listen, when we talked earlier, I was just taking them off. I had to, I, 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 I had to show them this ain't all talk here. <laughs> but but then but then my knees reminded me that I'm not 18 anymore, so <laughs> I quickly took them back off. <laughs> I hear you. I'm so glad. I go to TSU. Go to TSU. I, I grew up in Nashville. I know that song too. Coach. <laughs> Listen, Coach, uh, we can't say thank you enough for taking your time. I know you're in the middle of football season, and that's difficult. 
And uh, I do want to say that everyone on the program here, we talk about it often. It was a tough start down the issue. We had a shooter. And we, right. I remember we emailed you and, and said we were you know, praying for you. I emailed Dr. Rich yes. as well. And we're praying that everything is getting better for the students there. Our students shouldn't have to go through this. We're having several schools this year. We, we're praying about this issue as well. But we want to wish Go Edward University Tigers well. Continue to climb up the charts. Uh, continue to graduate them early with masters. And by the way, Coach Morgan has put 11 or 12 players in the NFL, Coach. You put some there. You coach. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did my homework for you. All right. <laughs> All right. Stay right there for a second, Coach. Um, okay. I just want to say to our listening audience on this night when we're honoring the late Andrew Smooth Scott, point guard, Fisk University basketball Bulldogs class. He started in 81, finished in 85. His teammates go on here tonight, and we want to say we dedicate the show to him. Also, we have a show next week. We push HBCU education, and we have executive Barbara Bernard. She started the Malcolm Bernard College Fair, and it's going to run November 11th and 17th in Philadelphia, New York, and New Jersey. It's in its 25th year. This college fair has attendance of 10,000 students total, and all the HBCUs are here. And we're going to have her on our show next week, Executive Director Barbara Bernard. It is so important if you know anybody in this area, students, high school students, parents, Scottish teachers, have them come on the show to have all the information so they can get out to these fans, okay? Education is so important. Uh, Coach, you have a home here. Tell Dr. Ivana Rich hi. Good I luck. Continue to chase that championship in the SIAC. And we want to have you back again real soon. You got a home here. Again, Coach, thank Appreciate you so much. You, uh, yes, for sure. And we'll see everybody back in 168 hours from now. Good night, everybody. And thank you so much. Good night. Thank you, Coach. No, thank you. Alrighty. I enjoyed it. Good night, Good night Coach. Good night. Thank you.